Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. It's that time of the year for us as teachers. Uh, parent-teacher conferences are, are upon us, and uh, as a parent myself, I have the privilege to be on both sides of the table. And one of the things that often comes up is how can we uh, help our students do better? And today's episode, Dr. Rota gives us a lot of information to think about that will truly raise uh, our expectations for our students and kids. And as a result, uh, they will achieve more. Yeah, so all the literature will tell us that we, you know, we need to have high expectations for our students. We hear that all the time. We read about it, both as parents and as teachers. And yet, rarely are we given any insights as to how exactly mm -hmm. do you do that? How do you raise expectations? So that's what I want to delve into a little bit today with you, with you, Professor Marty. <clears throat> so the background for this, why this is important. We've discussed the Pygmalion effect before on this podcast uh, in episode seven, which is entitled The Power of Expectations. We take a deep dive into this. So if you want to learn more about the background of of how expectations impact kids, that will give you more information on that one. This one, we're going to talk more about how do you raise those expectations. So not why they're important, but how do we raise them? But just for a little bit of background or context, how do we continuously work to improve and increase expectations? So in review, the Pygmalion effect was basically the result of the work of Rosenthal and Jacobson back in the late 60s. And other people have studied this as well. And it dem their work demonstrated that teacher expectations influence student performance. So positive expectations for others influences performance positively. Negative expectations influence performance negatively. So you get what you expect. Rosenthal, one of his quotes was, when we expect certain behaviors of others, we're likely to act in ways that make the expected behavior more likely to occur. So what are those? Okay. The original research took place in an elementary school in California, and they told teachers that prior to the start of the school year, they had assessed students and discovered that 20% of the students in the school had shown unusual potential for intellectual growth. They were going to bloom or blossom this next year. And these students were going to be given, these teachers were going to be given these students this year, and they wanted to see how much these students would grow. In reality, the students had randomly been chosen. There was nothing special about them whatsoever. They'd taken the same basic IQ assessment every other student had. So they took a basic IQ statement at the start of the uh, assessment at the start of the year, and they were going to take another one at the end of the year and see the growth. But teachers were told that these students were given a, a new assessment that could actually measure their likelihood, like when they were going to blossom and, and, and really grow intellectually. And this was the year. And what they found was that the students who had those 20% that had had high expectations from teachers, they actually did have uncharacteristically high growth in their IQ scores. So it, it was a random sample. Yep. They didn't know. And it all boils down to the teacher thought process. Yep. The teacher anticipated that they were going to do better. The teacher expected they were going to do better. The student did better. Remarkably so. It was just night and day. How do, what do we do? How do we raise our standards? What are the specific things we can do to have high expectations for students? So the first step is to determine what excellence looks like for, the, for this child. And I think that's really important to take the time and to look at each student and say, okay, what does excellence look like based on the gifts they've been given, based on what I, what I know of them? How can I best help them excel? You know that if you have your own children or if you have nieces and nephews, 
they just all have different gifts and and different areas of strengths, different areas of weaknesses. So, you know, it might be different from one child to another in your classroom or in your home. So what are your expectations for the quality of work for this student in this class? And you need to have a clear vision for what success looks like. So many times we just say, I want improvement. But how do we know when we get improvement? So maybe make a checklist for what you expect every student to be able to do at different periods, different benchmarks within the class. And then you can use this plan to create your coursework. And we're always considering the purpose of our subject and how we can make it relevant for learners, how we can help this subject, this content, this learner at this time. Another thing we can do is we model excellence by what we do and say. Are we well prepared for class? Are we excited about what we're teaching and learning? Do we hold high expectations for ourselves? Are we personally continual learners? Do we provide prompt and helpful feedback? Do we put thought into our lesson plans to make it relevant for learners? Are we differentiating instruction based on the student's abilities, based on the student's needs? That's what excellence looks like in teaching. Are we modeling that and modeling it in a, in a positive way? As parents, if we have expectations for our kids to do their chores conscientiously, are we modeling that for them? Does that mean I need to do chores? No, I do. <laughs> I do. But but here's the deal. How do you do them? Right. Okay. You're tired. You get home. You don't want to do it. You do it because it needs to be done. And yet your attitude is so very, very important because kids, students pick up on that. Right. Are you grumpy? Do you slam stuff around? Do you do it halfway because you're tired? You know, they're, they're watching us. Um, are we on time? Do we honor our word? Like, what does excellence look like for us in our own personal life? And take some time to think about that. And am I modeling it well? And if I'm not modeling it well, then I need to realize that that's impact. The children are watching me and they're seeing what I do. And finally, we can ask them to self-assess. When your child or student tells you that they're done with something, you can ask them, is it excellent yet? Or is this, your, is this the best work you can do? Proofreading and redrafting should just become part of our norm. We know we do it in writing, but we don't do it in a lot of other places in life. And it also helps us increase critical thinking skills as they evaluate their work. So here are some very practical tips to consider. First off, I'd, I'd request that we don't forecast failure in the classroom. Uh, have high expectations for all of our students. If you know an assignment is challenging, tell your students that it's going to be difficult, but that you are sure that they will be able to do well if they work hard to prepare. If they put in the effort, they're going to be okay. And some of you are seasoned teachers. You know the hiccups now when you go through yep. each year, those those content areas um, where the students really struggle. In fact, one, one of the professors here on campus uh, bases his whole teaching philosophy on just teaching those areas where students struggle and uh, assuming, and oftentimes correctly, the, the information that they can get on their own. Yeah, yep. In episode 63, we discussed magical feedback. That's the feedback that we can give where students actually try harder. They exert more effort after hearing feedback such as, I'm giving you these comments because I have very high expectations and I know that you can reach them. That's oftentimes called the magical feedback. So letting them know we care about them, we have high expectations for them, and we know that they can, they can do that. Number two, I really encourage, I encourage all of us, let's not participate in gripe sessions about students. Faculty members, parents who gripe about kids and students, they're establishing a culture of failure for their students. And this could just be contagious in departments, in our own teaching. You know, we live up to our expectations. It's oftentimes called self-fulfilling prophecy. And if you expect a kid, something about a kid, and you're grumbling and griping, then you're not authentically caring about that kid and trying to build a relationship with them. And, and once you say, you can find what you're looking for. Absolutely. If you're looking for positives, 
they're there. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking for negatives, obviously they're there, but where's your focus? You'll find what you look for. Yep. Number three, have a clear vision of what success looks like. Your expectations, my expectations, they need to be crystal clear. If I'm unsure, uncertain, it's kind of gray and fuzzy, then I'm not going to have clear expectations for my learners. I need to model the same excellence for myself. And number five, I need to get into the habit of asking, is it excellent yet? Or is this my very best work? Now, here's a little bit of a disclaimer. For those among us who are perfectionists and you know who you are, this is not an issue for you. In this podcast, we are not talking to you if you are a perfectionist. Don't start raising the bar even higher for yourself. The perfectionist, instead of the mantra being, is it excellent yet? Uh, For perfectionists, their mantra needs to be, sometimes good enough is good enough. So just like we differentiate for our students, We need to differentiate for our listeners as well. Not all of us struggle with the need to raise the excellence bar. Some of us are already doing that and beating ourselves up because of that. And for you, you need to have grace with yourself. You're demanding excellence of yourself and others. But for those of us who maybe aren't so much, we're struggling to kind of, how do I raise those expectations? How do I raise that bar? Uh, Hopefully today's episode will give you some tips and suggestions for little things you can work on. Our goal in 5 to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five key takeaways from today's episode on how do we raise our expectations for students. Number one, the first step is to determine what excellence looks like for each individual child. Number two, never forecast failure in the classroom. If you know the assignment is challenging, tell your students it's going to be difficult. Number three, uh, as faculty, there is often the opportunity to participate in the gripe sessions uh, about students. Uh, Don't do it. Number four, model the same excellence that you expect in your children. Uh, Model that excellence yourself. And number five, get in the habit of asking, is it excellent yet?
Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.